Where to Hunt podcast. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bowhunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. Uh, it's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. <laughs> What's up, Greg? Oh, you know, living the dream, one COVID nightmare at a time. <laughs> How about you? You yeah. social distancing over there? I am distanced uh, physically, but not socially. And I'm going to kick it off. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast. It's the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, a.k.a. the OKS podcast in the Midwest. I'm Eric, and uh, you just heard from Greg. This is episode 128, I think. And today is April 21st, 2020. Boom. It's officially an intro. Look at that. Slayed it. Nice work. I had to to grease the old wheels there. Um, Let's kick things off by calling out our sponsors. The brands that seem to like us enough to let us talk about them on our show. Backwoods Grind Coffee Company. Uh, check out backwoodsgrind.com and enter in code WTH podcast for 10% off. Now, I'll just say it once. When you go to the website, take a big inhale through your nose because the website smells like coffee. Super good coffee. And then uh, Gumleaf Boots. These are handmade rubber boots, 85% natural rubber with Vibram soles, super flexible. And uh, go to gumleafusa.com, enter in code WTH2020. <laughs> For 10% off. And hmm, I think I, think I was going to say something else about those guys. I, I wore mine uh, on like this whole last week and I was doing mulch. So that was kind of neat. I'm trying to do that in comfort and keep all that mulch out of my shoes. And uh, Greg, you got one to call out today. Yeah, I do. Vectum. <laughs> Vectum. Nice. Wow. That's a new one. Choked right <laughs> off the bat. Vector Custom Shop. Uh, arrows built to your specs. Um, they're thick-walled, heavy carbon arrows. They use the Essex insert-outsert system. Uh, they can weight the front end of that thing from 45 up to 175 grains and build it to your liking. Um, you can get a test pack, two arrows to try out, a half dozen or a dozen. Um, if you are interested in checking them out and buying some, uh, use the discount code WHERE, the number two, HUNT, to save 10%. Look at that. And I'm really liking them. I'm going to call out. We're not there yet, but if you look at the camera, there's a buck on camera. This is a double barrel bourbon. This is the first batch from a company called Drop Tine Spirits. This is 92 proof. This is our 12 point bourbon. Uh, I'm trying it out for the first You're time. You're over there living the high life. I'm telling you, man. You're over there living the high life. Drinking, <laughs> drinking, drop tine bourbon and i'm over here slumming it i think i got a past here and some water dude it's 92 proof it is super strong but it is incredibly smooth i i had some last night so i could you know really make sure i was prepped for this and know what i was getting into i also have 
their their moonshine and their vodka. It's apple moonshine and it's uh, corn vodka. Pretty interesting. Ooh. The proof is 92. So, all right, let's bring on our guest. Hopefully he's still here with us. Troy Fowler, the Ranch Fairy. Hopefully I'm saying your last name right, Troy. I suck at last names. Yeah, that's close enough. All right, I've been called worse. <laughs> oh, man. I was I was nerding out on your YouTube videos during my lunch today, and uh, my dad told me about you, like, I don't know, six months ago. He's like, you're this ranch fairy guy? And then Greg brought it up, and then I heard you on someone else's show, so you've been making your rounds. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. I have, I've been fortunate. I've had a few people call and think it's interesting enough to talk to a crazy Texan, so... Here we go, brother. Oh, yeah. Everything's bigger in Texas. Looking at you. We'll see. So <laughs> give us some context. Tell those that and we got, you already got a couple fanboys in the room. They're freaking out over here. Uh, I can see the comments right. rolling, but tell those that don't know who you are. First of all, how the hell did you get the name and, and who are you? What do you do? So I'm a 50-some-odd-year-old part, and I... Uh, I'm out. I'm an outside cheesy sales guy for a pretty large corporation and have a bunch of employees and all that stuff for the real job. And then um, on the sides, I, I'm still trying to catch a 10-pound bass, and I've only gotten into the eights and spent a lot of time slinging arrows and stuff. I've been shooting a bow and arrow since I was probably 12. I spent a year shooting trad. I killed stuff with flint. I've done the whole handmade, hand-tied, fletch, wood arrows, self-knocking. And um, I got the name Ranchberry from our ranch, which we have a place down here. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's my, my family's place. And I took over as the ranch manager about 15 years ago, and I started calling myself the Ranchberry because, you know, plumbing breaks, scooter dies, tractor doesn't work, there's a fence down. And everybody's like, well, something broke, and they drive off. And somebody's got to fix all that stuff. Well, AC's not working. I can call anybody. Sorry, I forgot to tell you it's Wednesday. You were there Saturday. Yeah, I know. I forgot all about it. So if they're conveniently ensconced in their house before they notify me that there's broke stuff, bees in the blinds and stuff. So I flittered, put my little wings on, and literally was calling myself the Ranchberry a decade ago. And I just said, just call the freaking ranch ferry if something breaks, and I'll come on down there. And it's, uh, I'm kind of wired that way. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm I'm a busy beaver. I got a lot of a lot of energy for an old guy, and I like to stay busy. And I'm real curious, so it always gives me something to do. Fast forward to, um, I always say this: my channel is about uh, failure. So, I shot a really good deer probably a decade ago. Low fence, legit deal. I was scoring at 150s, and I, I don't care to shoot another deer. I also caught a 9.6 tiger shark and a seven and a half foot bull we released by hand, and a bunch of other sharks, and I don't care to catch another one. I just I do things, and I get to a point, and I keep moving and go find something else to do. And <clears throat> those sharks were off the beach, and you have to tail rope them in the water. You get in the water with them about waist deep, put a rope around their tail, drag them up on the beach, take pictures, cut the hook, take the tail rope, drag them back in the water. I had to swim the tiger shark around for uh, 20 minutes to get her to revive. I thought she was going to die. <laughs> wow. Wow. So I was pushing Salt her water rodeo. water. 
Oh, it's awesome. I'm in waist deep water on the ocean side, like an idiot, out on the beach side. Not like you can jump out of the water anyway. And I've got her tail in, uh, over my shoulder, and I'm pushing her dorsal fin, and I walked her for 20 minutes, and she finally took off. I wasn't going to let her die. So anyway, I started shooting So I started uh, shooting a lot of pigs at the ranch. We just have the bottom of the supply of pigs. And I was not doing very well. I was at one time I was probably at thirty or forty percent on the bigger big pigs, and you don't get a lot of shots at them. Everybody thinks, "Well, you got your bunch of deer feeders, and they just walk up there and you kick them in the ass and make them run off a little further and shoot them." And it's quite quite that easy. So you'll hunt one; they're real smart, and you'll get a shot three or four times a year on over two hundred pounds, which is big on our place. They get bigger in a lot of places. We just don't have them that big. And I was bonking them all the time. Bonk means you shoot them and they run off and they laugh and you don't find them. And I got kind of pissed off. And it wasn't for lack of broadheads and arrows. And I had every device on earth. I shot mechanicals. I shot fix. I shot this, shot that. And the only thing I had left to do was to do what Dr. Ashby did. That's the only book of literature out there that was outside the norm. And I said, the hell with it, I'm doing it. I jump off the bridge, get my longbow back out, I tune up a 760-grain arrow with a Grizzly 190 on the front. It was absolutely a street-legal Ashby arrow as possible. It took me three days to bear shaft to because no, there's, there's, this is 2014. There's no, there's no information. I'm just spitballing the whole thing. No, recently is the one we've we've actually starting to see some pretty good information, you know, via your channel and maybe a few others that talk about bear shaft tuning and kind of how to do it. So, yeah, yeah, it's I'm not glad, real well I'm glad known. I found you. No, it's it's a, it's the key. It takes a lot of tinkering. I always tell people all the time, you can shoot 150 bad arrows a day. I don't care. You just go ahead and do that. Work on your form and make sure all your components match and your peep sight's the same shade of purple as the freaking riser and all that crap. I don't care about any of that crap. But if you do not have, if you don't take the time to get the arrows flying perfect, perfect, you're wasting every rep. You can't outform crappy arrows. There isn't, it is not possible. So, so you you can do it. Like, the flight of that arrow is is it sounds like it's absolutely paramount and critical among everything else. So it's overlooked. It's one hundred percent overlooked in the industry. Nobody talks about. It. Well, why do you, like why do you think that is? Is there certain, like sometimes when, when yeah? Sorry, Greg. Go ahead. Cut me off. Because <sighs> you're not here. No, it's just like shooting certain certain bullets out of out of a rifle you know you could have that's the correct best rifle in, in the world but if you're shooting around that doesn't agree with the rifling in that barrel it's going to be a problem yeah it might get yeah that like quick, the barnes but... x bullet that thing's badass if it'll shoot yeah that's a great bullet if it but if, if it shoots three inch groups it's not a great bullet no why right? do you suppose why do you I suppose mean, people aren't right. talking about it they're like what's that what's that all about I think every I think the last decade of the industry has said just slap the mech on there and everything's solved. Yep. I'm amazed at the people I talk to on email. I get 
30 emails a day or messenger messages from people trying to bear shaft tune and working on their bows and this and that and piddling around with the test kits and all that. I'm amazed at the low level of information on how critical it is for the arrow to be perfect. Hmm. It's unbelievable. Well, I've only, so it's one of the reasons why Ashby doesn't make sense to anybody. Hmm. That's what, it's one of the major disconnects for Dr. Ed Ashby's 27 years, two rhinos, the jillions of random and sundry critters and the 1,030 shots in the study with 113 data points per shot. A lot of testing. Right. He's worried about one thing, penetration. That's it. It's this the main disconnect between me and the industry and because I'm in the wake of Dr. Ashby. He didn't care what it took to get maximum penetration in every situation. He wanted to find out what it took. And it's a huge disconnect. And it's okay. We'll get there. One of the, one of the, um, so we had on like what a month or two ago. I don't know. I have zero concept of time right now. I'm totally confused about even what day of the yeah, week right. it is. What day is it? I'm, it's like summer when you're a kid. You say, what day is it? Still have no freaking clue. Um, tomorrow I'm going to the ranch today. That's what tomorrow is for me. I'm going to the test lab tomorrow. So it'll be fun. Well, we had, we had, uh, vector custom shop on and we talked mm-hmm. a ton to about, the the weight of the arrow and, and the shaft and, and all of these things. And like some people are like, well, the, you know, the speed is super important. And they're like, well, you can't, you, you're never going to um, shoot a bow faster than the speed of sound. Meaning like no matter what, the deer is going to hear something. And so like really right. penetration, I, like this is a new topic for me in the last maybe year, year and a half. And I, I just yeah. wonder how many other people are coming onto this as a new topic. So it's, it's cool to hear. Well, let me ask you a, the let progression. Me ask you the question I ask everybody. You have any problems? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta find deer first. That's my first problem. Shoulder hits or, you know, bad blood trails, bad days, lots of them. You having any problems or are the deer croaking 40 yards away? I have other problems. Well, like getting, getting to see deer. Started watching I, once I saw their videos, I started looking for other people who are public. 
it's it's probably 70% quartering or slightly quartering in. The deer's coming. Yes. You draw, and the minute they give you a shot, you shoot. Because that's the shot you got. That's it. Yep. You're right. You're absolutely right. In public land, you got it. You really, it's a challenge. It's shooting, hard. Yeah. And because everybody's shooting um, Twizzlers and the old flapper, they're shooting them in the middle and praying to God they kill them. The liver shooting everything. Let's talk about the definitions. And, can we can we spend a minute talking about the Twizzler and, and everything else? Can we, let's break that down, Barney. Oh, yeah, you got that, I got that laid out. I well, love okay, your vocabulary. So I got the ranch fairy language. You got to have language if you're yeah. a fairy. <laughs> so I tried to keep it simple. Um, it's like a shotgun shell box on on the arrow weights, and then a Twizzler is all you clowns shooting a 400 spine arrow out of an 85 pound bow, and it's got a 42 grain point on it. Because when that thing hits the target, it turns into a banana. Go to the Ranch Ferry channel and look up Impact Paradox. Great I video. Prove it. What that does is when your mechanical deploys at a weird angle, the shaft levers opposite of the first blade opening and then waves like a metronome, dumps energy like crazy. That's a Twizzler. Okay. That's a very common thing because everybody's shooting under spine arrow trying to go fast. That was me, but I wasn't trying right. to go fast. I was just shooting whatever the hell because I didn't know any better. Um, I wasn't speed yeah, or okay. weight. Yeah. It was just like a... I mean, there's a lot of people that stop said, I'm shooting 70 pounds and 40, 400 spine arrow is right. Well, whatever. So uh, on arrow weights, it's very easy. So anything under 450 grains is a skeet load. They're fun to shoot at targets. And 3D, but you wouldn't hunt with them. And 450 to 550 is um, is a heavy dove load. You're starting to get to where you're going to stop wounding stuff to death. Over 550, I call it an adult arrow. And that's when you start seeing, that's when you start hitting the earth on a regular basis. <laughs> and that's on the other side. And I keep getting photographs of guys who say, holy crap, I killed a tree. And there's <laughs> yeah, a bloody arrow that's buried in a tree. And then a Magnum's over 650. Okay. And I'm currently running 760 and 27%. So what do you, 50 yards. What do you no recommend problem. for uh, draw weight on something like that? Like, what do you, what other, what do you have to, from there, if that's our, our foundation. Draw weight doesn't matter. Okay. So that doesn't matter. What, what do you have to build on top of that foundation uh, to get your bow to be able to shoot that? Does anything have to change there? What are you, what are you tweaking and adjusting? to accommodate these heavier weights? So I'm not a real uh, real super bow guy. I am terribly not a super bow guy. I don't have a press. I don't jack around with the twist these yokes and flip the wing dingers and all that crap. It's BS and to me. I just square them up, and then I make the arrow fly. So when, what I do is I take two different spines of arrows. I shoot 65 pounds and 28 inches. I'm 5'11 and 190 pounds, about the most average knucklehead-sized guy you ever met. And I've changed the point weight and shoot bear shafts until one of them goes dunk. And what that does is every time you change the point weight, you're changing the spot and the way the arrow comes off the bow. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how many people know this. When you release an arrow, it flexes like crazy. And it continues and it flexes back and forth and back and forth for about, according to the wizard, 20 feet or so 
is before it corrects and becomes plumb in the air. That could be sideways, but it's plumb. So I'll set up a target about 20 feet away. I put a weight on it, put it at chest height, and I take the bear shaft. I put. I usually have 100 grains already in the in the shaft. I don't even mess around with it if it doesn't have a 100 grain insert. And I'll put a 150 grain point usually starting off, and I'll shoot the target. And if it doesn't fly real good, then I'll change the point weight and mess around. And that's how I get there. My shafts are cut to 28 and a half inches long. I cut them to the front of the riser so they don't bleed, because adult broadheads aren't depl- aren't you know compressed and hiding in some slot. They are sticking out there, and they'll cut your fingers off. So if you have extra fingers in your pocket you can put on, then fine. I don't care how short you cut your arrows, but <laughs> not recommended. So that's how I do it. And this and is this kind of where the paper tuning comes into play? Is that is that kind of where people start to mess around with that because I was watching one of your YouTube videos and it was showing the paper tuning. It's like, you know, once you get those bullet looking holes, that's kind of when you're onto something when it's flying straight through. Is that, am I getting that right? Right. So I got a ton of people who do this through paper. And in my video, I said, just go on YouTube and look for paper tuning. It's already been done. I'm not going to show you how to do it. 500 people have done that. Okay. That's a good thing about YouTube. There's always some other reference point, right? You don't Mm -hmm. have to do all this stuff. So what you'll see is you'll see a, your first arrow may look like a nunchuck went through the paper, four-inch tear. And then as you increase the weight and you completely change the arrow every time you change the feel point weight, it's a new arrow, the way it comes off the boat. And they'll clean up, and you'll see nunchuck, two-inch tear, one-inch tear, you know, and then get down to when it gets around 50-cent piece size, you're there. And that's when you got a super tweak. And are you just burning through that whole process because, like, obviously there's fatigue in there, and you start shooting a whole bunch, shooting a whole bunch, and then you you get kind of like, you know, your arm gets like a hot barrel on a rifle. Okay, you got to just give it a a minute to catch up. Are you burning through that whole process in one sitting, or are you coming back to it? So what I usually do, my bows are already set up, but I've done it a million times. I'm doing about 15 minutes now. But if you're a beginner, I would would just shoot five shots with five different field points right off the bat. And just see if something improves. Instead of shooting 15 times with 300 and 15 times at 275, that's a waste of time. If it nunchucks, <laughs> change the point and see what happens. Don't shoot it 47 more times. Okay, that's good. Now, I'm glad you told me that because I would have been the I would have been the idiot doing it 47 more times. Yeah, going, and, yeah and my arm's over. getting tired. What the fuck's going on here? Yeah, right. Of course. <laughs> and to all you OCD people out there, I love you people. But don't get too damn hard on yourself. I got some guys emailing me, sending me pictures, and the tear's like a dime. And I'm like, okay, well, you're a human. And it went from nunchuck to dime. They're like, I just can't get it perfect. <laughs> Woo! It went from nunchuck to a dime-sized hole. Brother, easy now. Take a minute. That's some good. Panties. I'd probably be like, yeah, good enough. We're you at know? a dime. Woo! I'm done. I'd be, I'd be celebrating right there. But, yeah, I hear you. There's the OCT guys. Right. Greg... Greg, you had like a whole bunch of questions, so it's your turn. Go. Nope. I didn't have a whole bunch of questions, but I can add to some of the stuff, I guess. Um, okay. You know, just like kind of backing up to, you know, you asked Eric about his problems, and he's got 99 problems, and apparently Scotch ain't one of them. And uh, mm-hmm. But through my 
through my journey, evolution, whatever you want to call it, of bow hunting, I went through the problems of, you know, shooting under spined arrows, shooting, yep, you know, thinking it's the bow, you know, can't, yep. can't, can't get there fast enough, deer's jumping the string, all that fun stuff. You then you go with a lighter arrow and you do what the, yep. what the industry says and, and screw on a mechanical and look at that, it shoots like a field point and it doesn't penetrate where the crap. And then, you know, I, I lost a deer. I wasn't real happy about that. And it still bothers me to this day, you know, 12 years later. But I went through all that stuff, you know, and then, I don't know, probably the past six years, I figured out I needed to shoot a heavier arrow. So I went to yep. a heavier arrow, got rid of the mechanical, went to uh, went to a cut-on contact type broadhead, a fixed yep. blade with replaceable blades, a three blade. Had an okay results with that, um, but still wasn't real thrilled about, you know, structural integrity of that, that particular product. You know, you hit a little high, you, you catch the spine, you catch a heavy leg bone, the blades are junk. I mean, granted, yeah, they're replaceable blades, but some of us like to resharpen our heads. So then I, I went to a, a cut-on contact type head that I could resharpen. I get it nice and sharp. I've taken multiple deer with one particular head, and yeah. life is grand. Getting pass-throughs, I think the farthest I had one run with that type of setup, heavier arrow, uh, cut-on contact rod head, 40 yards. At a dough, I dumped the dough. Why do you think like they? Said, why do you think they're not running? Well, one, the arrow comes out of that bow a lot quieter. Two, okay. that broadhead is razor sharp. And if anybody has watched your stuff and you talk enough about having razor sharp broadheads, those things cause some major hemorrhaging. And Absolutely. I think my my confidence too, the fact that that I know that that arrow flies extremely accurately and goes where I put it. And even if it means it's going a little high with that razor on it, it's doing a lot of damage real fast. Yep. Pass through blood trail. Yeah, it's there. It's, it's not, uh, it's not Saturday morning TNN uh, mechanical broadhead stuff, but it's, uh, it's decent, and when you can see the deer fall down in front of you, you don't it need to matter. trail it. No, it doesn't yep. matter at all. So I, uh, I re- rinsed and repeated that multiple times um, on a couple different uh, – one different one property in particular I had. It was an area where I could go in there and shoot as many deer as I had tags for. They had so many of them. It was urban hunting. Nice. The one I had, I had, to, be, I had to be accurate. I had to take ethical shots, and by the way, probably the worst, one of the worst environments to try and shoot a deer and not get seen, because it's all park-like. It was a nine-acre parcel, and it was all white pines with the branches that were dead all the way up. <laughs> I used to think that you know, just, on a tennis court. It literally does. I could see across the <laughs> nine acres if I got down to the bottom <laughs> of the tree. I had to get 25 feet up in order to have any kind of clearance, so or yeah. any kind of any kind of backdrop behind me. Yep. So all my shots are hard angle down shots. Now that's the worst spot to shoot a deer with a mechanical broadhead yeah. on the damned earth. Hmm. The best, the oh, best I found, to shoot I a deer with a mechanical broadhead is on the ground. Yes. That's your best op that's your best opportunity to hit 
something softer. But when the, when you're 20 feet up in the tree, you're hitting you're the all heaviest born. part of the rib cage. Do you think the the um, going with mechanical me, – uh, Jesus, I can't talk. I bit the hell out of my cheek, and I'm just, like, struggling to get words out of my mouth. You. Holy shit. Uh, do you think – Take your time chewing your sandwich next Dude, time. it was terrible. It's three, three days of this. I think I'm infected. I probably have a hole in my cheek next week. Um, do you think that the type of broadhead is really predicated on the type of hunting you're doing, or do you have any, like, kind of rule of thumb, best practice kind of recommendations to pair with a broadhead here as we kind of – Work our way down the the shaft. <laughs> Good night, myself. Um, I'm oh, a boy. big, yeah. Woo. I'm a big oh, contact person, and the single bevels are next level. Okay. There's four levels of broadhead. There's single bevel. There's fixed, like one piece monoliths, like a VPA two blade or iron wheel or something like that. Yep, and and that Magnus well. and all those guys are in there. And then you got the component heads. Exodus seems to be real popular. The old Thunderhead killed the living crap out of a bunch of stuff. I remember when that thing came out. I remember when the first Thunderhead came out. That's how old I am. It was all the rage. And then there's the rest of the Broadheads. And there are some hilarious pieces of crap out there. Holy smokes. So um, your, your goal this is once again, like I said, this is why Dr. Ashby doesn't, doesn't make sense to people. Your goal is that arrow's in the dirt, no matter what happens, because you can't control. The minute you hit the, your release or you let the string drop, from that point, you can't control what happens from there forward. Right. It's not all shot placement, because you can't control that. There's a lot of pros out there, and they're, you know... They, they're just hilarious. I understand what they mean. That if you hit them perfect, they die. Got it. Yeah, sure. That just hadn't happened to me a lot. And I'm not real convinced that the average 25-yard shot that everybody's really bad. To me, when the pros say it's all shot placement, you know what that means? You suck. And I, I think they're arrogant asses. I don't miss. You suck. I think that's what that means. Because it's glaringly obvious. If you hit one lower one-third right above the elbow, if you're lucky enough to do that ever in your life, they, they bleed like crazy and they go about 35 yards and just they run dead. I call it a dead run. When you hit them right above the elbow and it blows through them, their head goes down. They're having a major blood pressure drop. That is a physiologic effect. But that's why their head drops. They call it a dead run. When we do it to feral hogs, their butt goes sideways. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy steering in the back of the fire truck isn't working so damn good. When I hit them right and I really hit them low and it across the top of the heart, their ass goes sideways when they're running off. And I'm like, oh, you're so dead. I'm not even going to blood trail. I'm just going to walk over there. And um, so your goal should, that's why I said, the, the disconnect with Dr. Ashby is, he was trying to figure out how to get the arrow in the dirt on the other side of the animal every freaking time, no matter what it went through. <clears throat> and the industry is telling us just try to wound your deer to death. And it's just a big disconnect. It's okay. I don't care. I've been through it, man. I was 30, 30 or 40% on pigs over 200 pounds at one time. Wow. There's nobody going to tell me 
that now we're, I went, we've gone 10 for 10. Shooting single bevels and 650 grain arrows. In the same situations at the same ranch, in the same place over the last five years. When I started keeping records. It was a terrible, it was terrible. That's smart. I thought you would it's smart to start cataloging it to get some data on your side so you can have an informed conversation with people. So it's not just, well, it don't work. No, I so I have a 411 shots I've collected over three years in a database. Jeez. And I'm getting ready to publish kind of a white paper on it. Um, it's not really my strength. I'm trying to figure out how to sit still that long and be organized. It's, I like to laugh <laughs> around and say wild-ass stuff. And wild-ass stuff isn't going to work on the granule. I may put on a lab jacket and get a stethoscope and get one of them silver deals that the old doctors used to wear on my head. And do it that way or something. Do I got to do something. Maybe a do COVID it. mask. I'm going to be the ranch for Halloween. I collected 411. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and there's a pretty famous study from up in that area. The QDMA published it called, Does Broadhead Choice Really Matter? Or something like that. Okay. And they collected like a thousand shots on this military base. And they basically came up with, we'd prefer you shoot mechanical broadheads. Um, we don't think it matters. There's a couple of interesting wrinkles in that. They have dogs and big search parties of people that will come help you find your deer. Mm. They just kind of mentioned that at the end. You give me a freaking black, you know, give me a uh, German short hair, you know, that's blood trail, blood train. Yeah. I'll find a lot of deer. <laughs> You'll probably find some that weren't yours. Where the fuck did this thing come from? I didn't shoot this one. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. They need deer. Hey, there's one. So Man. I really, I'm just, since I did, I've done what I did. I, I mentioned earlier, I bear shaft in this longbow. I get up to 670 grams. It's probably not going 150 feet per second. There's no freaking way it was going that fast. 54 pound longbow. And I snuck up on the biggest, I was looking for a test pig, you know, 80 pounds, three, two sacks of concrete size. Nah, I amble up on the biggest pig I've killed to date. Spot and stalk, he's 265 pounds because I own a scale and they're important to have a scale if you're shooting pigs because everybody says everything's 300 pounds. <laughs> and when I got up to him, I was about 17 yards and they don't flex in the middle like a deer can pick it up and rotate and look at you. Pigs just rotate like a barrel. And when they turn, they turn their whole body. And he was broadside. I'm kneeling on the ground. There's nothing between me and him. He quarters to me. And I said, well, Dr. Ashby, <laughs> if you're right about this, here we go. And I shot him right in the neck shoulder junction. And the fletchings disappeared in his body. It didn't even make noise and hit his pelvis and he, his ass dropped. And I thought it broke his back. He's spinning on the ground. And I literally stand there with my mouth hanging open because this is not my normal experience. My normal experience is bonk, a big loud pop, seven inches of penetration and we lose him. What's the big no, loud no, no, pop no, no. traditionally? Goes, what, what was that indicate? That's 
that's just impact paradox, under underweight arrow, bad broadheads, probably broadhead blades exploding on impact, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, all those factors together, uh, you, you you just showed a major inefficiency of the whole system. It's too light, correct? Too much, too much, uh, too much surface area. You know, with the blades deploying, and you got a heavy hunk of meat in the shoulder there. One of the heaviest, you know, stoutest animals on in our continent, probably to to shoot. They're hard to kill. They're real. I mean, the big ones are real durable. I mean, they're covered in mud all the time, and they're just nasty. And that that arrow penetrated four feet. I mean, it made That's no a beast sound. of an arrow. And he ran off. He ran by me. He ran. He he started running. He had a look on his face like holy crap. And he happened to run within. He I could I stepped in his tracks. That's how close he went by me. Jeez. Wow. And the broadhead was sticking out of his hand. And I didn't like to hit. You know, blah blah blah. We left him four hours, and we found him. He went 100 yards, blood everywhere, because it popped his femoral artery. But that's because I penetrated four feet. <laughs> that's a hell of a shock to be able to hit the femoral artery. You, know, you said you're drawing back 50 pounds on, on, a, on a longbow, too. Like, that's, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, 54 pounds, maybe. I don't, who knows if I got the full draw, right? I just mm-hmm. yanked her back and right. let it rip. And I never looked back. And then I shot a pig. I wasn't convinced on compounds yet, and I shot a pig to weigh 220 with a schwacker at 17 yards with a twizzler, 400 spine, aluminum insert, and a swacker. It bounced off. It didn't literally bounce off. It hit him. He ran by the deer feeder leg, and it flew out of his body. I shot him right in the shoulder pocket, right where he's supposed to be shot. Pigs have really funny physiology, and you have to shoot them forward and down. They just—it's where it is. It, there's no, there's no if, ands, or buts. You can shoot them in the middle; you just won't find them. So I went back two weeks later. I, I, I put the same. I got the same arrow going. I got the same arrow going on a longbow, but I went to a 300 spine, 190 grain grizzly, and that same dumb pig came out. He didn't make it. Same spot, same damn stand, same spot, same distance, buried to the flesh. Wow. And I saw, he went off and I saw dust. And I said, that's better. And I just never looked back. Hmm. And every time I go below um, 550, just messing around, it's not the same. And this is all forward weight, by the way. Don't full metal jackets the worst arrow on the freaking earth. <laughs> just let's put that out there. It's the worst. Sorry, I just burned everybody's butt who shoots full metal jacket, and I know a bunch of the pros do. They're absolute garbage. Well, well, you're not hurting my feelings. Yeah, we don't give a shit. You can do you want heavy here. quote on quote unquote heavy arrow I was shooting for a while because that's what the pro shop said. You know that's. That's a good arrow. You could shoot elk with that. All right. Well, I find that to be funny because these jackasses <laughs> are telling you to shoot 525 grains as long as it's a full metal jacket and Cameron Haynes or whoever says it works. I don't know who shoots those things. Not, not No knock on Cameron Haynes. I don't know who shoots them. But I assume some of the pros – well, I know some of the pros shoot them because I get people tell me. But it's backwards. If you take that piece of garbage, full metal jacket, break those things off, they're good for sharpening sticks. You can put a good broadhead on there and use it on a strop. It'll break it right in the middle, and it's a perfect length for stropping. 
man, perfect. They're great, nice and heavy, really good for shopping. That's what I do with them. And if you take a regular arrow, you throw a 100-grain insert in the front and put a 125-grain point on it. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. You'll have basically the same total arrow mass within about 25 grains, but your FOC goes from 9 to 17 or 18%. And it's nice. all forward loaded. It's the same basic arrow, except the flight will be phenomenal. And the arrow will not paradox on impact. When you load the back and it hits a little off, it shakes. It impact does. paradox video, Ranch Fair Channel. Dude, I did it. I shot a 1,035 grain arrow in that. Dude, you got to hook up with those, those uh, YouTubers. I don't know if they're still around, the slow mo guys. They have like. The most expensive slow motion camera you can get. It shoots like the most yeah, frames per second. Yeah, we're trying to get a hold of somebody like Holy that. We've got shit. a couple of colleges. Yeah, right. I'm on the Ashby Foundation board, and um, we're talking to a couple of colleges about doing some of that stuff, so we can do some stuff stateside. We're trying to get back to Australia and do and continue the testing. Doctor Ashby has about four pages of. Gosh, I want to try this. And obviously, he didn't test compounds, right? Sure. And for all those wondering, I've asked him, he's a friend of mine, I go to his house and say hi. I said, is there a heavy bone threshold because of velocity? Like, we already know the compounds are faster, right? Right. Yep. And he said, this, this proves the man's awesome. I don't know. Was you would think he would say, nah, it's 650 grains and you people are idiots. God dang, I proved it. It's 27 years. What are you idiots doing? My study opened the whole continent of Africa. You people are idiots. He's not like that at all. He said... No, it sounds like so he's pretty open to, to learning oh, some new stuff so about a new piece. He's so yeah. cool. And he said, I don't know. And I said, I like that answer, brother. He said, yeah, maybe. I never got there. He broke his back. He fell off a mountain. And the study was still underway. It stopped because he hurt himself, and he couldn't keep it going. He had funding and everything. And, well, there was a little problem with Zimbabwe falling apart, too. He had to leave Africa relatively rapidly at one time. Yeah, there's that. But, yep. So we're going to go find out. There might be. But I promise you, if you run 650 and about 24% FOC, you could shoot a white-tailed deer anywhere. 650, 24% FOC. What's, what's, your, um, I don't know, what's your take, understanding of FOC? We've talked about that on the last couple episodes. I, I just love to hear what you have to say about it. Quick break before we get into Troy's explanation of front of center. Let's get into our... The Shot of the Week. All right, the shot of the week is brought to you by Vector Custom Shop. Please head on over to VectorCustomShop.com, enter in code where the number two hunt to get 10% off. If you haven't interacted with these guys or learned about them yet, you're missing out in a major way. Uh, from a customer service standpoint, they're top notch. From a product development standpoint, they're even better. Uh, these arrows are built to your specs. And uh, they take the time to get to know you as a hunter as much as they can anyways. You know, they're going to ask you your draw length, um, you know, your draw weight, the, the specific bow that you are shooting, uh, the types of animals that you're hunting, your hunting style. 
they're going to get to know you. So that way, when the arrows show up at your doorstep, uh, they're going to be ready to go. So head on over there and check those guys out. Let's hear our uh, shot of the week this week. November 3rd, 2018. Uh, that was a pretty memorable hunt for me. Uh, public land, not too far from my house. Uh, walked into an area and immediately found good sign. Uh, rubs and scrapes all over the place. Uh, I mean, signs so fresh that the, the trees that were rubbed had sap dripping out of them. They were that fresh. And the ground was all wet where it had been pawed up. So I decided to set up on uh, the tip end of this high ground that went off into cattails and uh, right in between a couple of heavily used trails and multiple rubs and scrapes around. So doing this, uh, probably about two hours later, uh, I heard a deer coming through and he was making rubs and scrapes and looked like he was going to head off in another direction. I was a little windy, so I blew a grunt call at him to try and get him to come back my way. He didn't hear it the first time, so blew the grunt call again. He heard it, and it's like someone kicked him in the rear end. He turned around, put his head down, and charged out immediately uh, through the thick stuff and came right towards me, quartering to at about 20, 22 yards, give or take a couple. Um, as he was coming through that thick stuff, I already come to full draw, had an opening and he stopped right in the opening, perfect textbook, couldn't have asked for a better place for him to stop, other than the fact that he was quartering to. So I tucked it tight to the shoulder, more in the front of the shoulder, Pretty I'm pretty confident in my heavy arrow and broadhead setup and uh, let the arrow fly. I heard the pop. The arrow, the arrow passed completely through. The deer jumped, spun around, hopped about 10 yards and stopped. Turned around, looked back at me, wasn't sure what happened. And then all of a sudden he started to sidestep and stutter and he fell over, and that was the end of it. He didn't get up and move after that, and I got to listen to him take his last breath. I'm going to make it real simple. The way good. people um, explain arrow flight is you're flying a broadhead pushing – you're flying an arrow pushing a broadhead. That's everybody's basic understanding of arrow flight. And that is the worst possible scenario because the arrow is very long. I'm excited. I'm okay. excited that that's where you started. There's a fly fishing example that I love. What's that? Well, so I, I'm not a fly fisher. I've only done it like four times. The If you cast on a regular pull, right, like in a bait caster or whatever the hell, you're, you're letting that lure pull the line out, right? You're pulling all that line out, and you're going to cast as far as the weight of that that's lure correct. and the weight of that line. With a fly rod, you're pushing it all out, Um the, the line is what's pushing it, not the lure. That's why you can cast so far with th something that weighs Correct. nothing. So anyways, that's my little, that's how I try to comprehend this, I guess. Maybe more. So the 99% the of people listening to this podcast and 99% of the people on the planet who shoot a bow and arrow, it's just kind of inherently logical in your head that the arrow's doing the work and the broadhead's on the front. The, the problem is 
nothing, nothing, zero percent of bones are square. Correct. The arrow is not going to hit plumb ever. If you, well, excuse me, let me back up. It will hit plumb. It ain't going through plumb. Very, very low chance. Rib cages, ribs are not, nothing is square. You're not shooting a Minecraft character with your bow and arrow. Okay. Good. How's that reference for a 51-year-old guy, right? You got kids? <laughs> so when you get your FOC over 19%, and that's a 550-grain arrow running 100, 300 grains up front, so or 250 to 300 grand. So 125 grand insert and a 125 grand point, however you want to get there. Um, you are now shooting a 300 grand bullet with a tail. And the point overwhelms the shaft at impact. So this gets into like physics, right? I can tell that, that gets into some physics and inertia and a lot of that stuff. I tiny little in, there's a tiny little uh, just this massive amount of mass in a very small space hitting the side of the deer and it happens to have a tail on the back of it that's why they're doing impact paradox hmm. because the point's pulling it overwhelms it overwhelms the shaft that impact it's not pushing anymore it's along for the ride and that's why you see this phenomenal arrow flight when you get it right. Because the point just goes, it's like it, in my head, I'm not seeing this. I want to do this on slow-mo as well. I think the shaft catapults. I think the shaft bends, then the point takes off faster than the shaft and pulls it. I can't prove that. You might be able to. Just but I've seen it right on now. me. Yeah. You, you deal with you it kill a deer. Now. Right. If you want to kill a deer or a pig or a freaking moose, you want a bullet hitting them. It happens to have a guidance system rather than a shaft pushing and trying to drive. A very simple example is hitting a nail with a hammer. You miss a little bit and it goes cockeyed just a little bit and it does it isn't as plumb. And then you go work with somebody who builds fence all day and it's just bam, 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 bam. And you're whacking away and bleeding and thumbs are flat and all that, right? That's the difference. But like I said earlier, the disconnect with that, Dr. Ashby and the rest of the industry is he cared about what it took to get the arrows through the animals for maximum amount of penetration. And he could, could care less about the rest of it. Perfect arrow flight, structural integrity, FOC, et cetera, et cetera. The 650 grain arrow is actually number 12 in his list. Structural integrity and perfect arrow flight are the top two. Wow. If you hit heavy bone, 650 jumps to the top. And that's uncontrollable. Pretty cool to see some, some people emerging. We talked you know, about Vector earlier, uh, ethics, archery. Um, Vector uses ethics, archery, inserts. Yep. I mean, how many people yeah, are rocking those guys? <laughs> he's a really nice guy. He, he's yep. willing to jump on the phone with anybody anytime. He's almost always in a car. He calls us all the yep. time. He's usually in a car. Oh, yeah, he's driving all over And he's way I bigger than you think. I met him last summer. He's freaking, he's oh. a ginormous man. 
Yeah, yeah. I met him at ATA this year when I was there, and and uh, we finally got to put a face. You know, I've seen him, but I didn't never had put you know seen the whites of his eyes as it were, and uh, we finally got to meet and laugh and screw around and stuff. They make great stuff. It's bomb proof. I'm not even. I don't. Know, I have no paid sponsors. I'm totally demonetized on my channel, and I tell. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. So I have vendors, I have people, you know, email me and say, Hey man, we'd like you to try our stuff. And my, my typical reply is this. Hey, that sounds great. Here's how this works. I may break your stuff. I will pound on it if I have to. And I may just look at it and go, eh, I'm not doing that. And I'll mail it back to you. I promise you no reviews. And I, pro I will not promise you I will use it at all. The only thing you might get is a nice letter from me that says, I don't like your stuff. At least it's a nice letter. <laughs> hey, guys. Yeah, right. I just don't like it. And, Nothing personal. Well, I just get people send me stuff all the time, and it's just like, no, nah, I'm not going to, nah. Great. Not going to do that, you know? We're out and, of, I would say we're, we're out of Wisconsin, so we're close to the Vector guys. They're, they're real close to us geographically. Yeah. And they just commented on in the comments. They said, great discussion, fellas. This is the philosophy that we hold to when building arrows. Once you go heavy, high FOC, there's no going back. Thanks, Troy, for the awesome continuing education. So yeah, sure. they're a fan. Yeah, there's no going back. If you will just make jump off, and if your friends say stuff to you, get better friends. <laughs> you know, there's more people on Earth. There's 7 billion of us. Just get rid of those idiots. And get some better friends or do what I do and just don't hang out with a lot of people. I got like four friends I hang out with and they know I'm crazy. One of my friends is so great. He's a good, he's a great guy. He's an accountant, just one of my best friends. He says, here's how you fish with Fowler. Whatever he gives you is probably going to work. It's going to be beat up and have brand new hooks on it. It's going to be skinned up, tore up, tooth marks on it, but the, the hooks will be good. And Troy's going to change lures about every 10 casts, and if they're eating some purple wing dinger with an orange tail, he'll figure it out. So that's how you fish with Fowler. Just keep throwing whatever he gives you. <laughs> so I'm a very curious person. What's your – And it's just the book, you know. Troy, hey, what's, your, what's your, like, I don't know, life philosophy outside of hunting? Like what, what kind of advice do you have for people to get through this shit that we're going through right now? Total switching gears. You just seem like such an awesome guy. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, we'll see about that. So, <laughs> I guess I don't know there, you. Yeah. The media's blown this thing way out of proportion, and I, I can't figure out what the dark helicopter stuff is behind it. But um, you just got to keep your head up and keep plugging and be curious and go find out, find things to do. You know, if we had to make this silly adjustment like we have now, this is one of the most unprecedented times in our lives. Um, Find a way to get, just make make uh, you know lemonade out of lemons. That's what I've been doing. Nice and fiddling around, digging in the yard, doing whatever. It's not the end of the world. I have a very positive attitude towards everything. I just don't think it's going to be that big a deal. I don't think people generally are curious enough about their lives and what's going on around them to just continue to explore things to keep them going. How fun is it though to have that mentality and you, you know the one of my there's it's two people fun. that said it a quote. A lot of, I figured this out about myself a long time ago. I realized I need to be busy doing something or I'm going to be doing something. And it may not be legal. It's funny as shit. I mean, I'll I'll just I remember being in high school and just saying we're going to get in so much trouble. 
let's do this crap anyway. <laughs> we, knew, we knew we were going to him for licks. This is the old days, kids, back when they gave you swats at school. And uh, we had to cut our hair. You couldn't have long hair. You had to wear pants at school. I went to it. Was a, it was actually a killer place to grow up. I got arrested one time for a ticket I hadn't paid. This was back in the mail everything days. And the guy knew my dad. Pulls me over. Uh, speeding or something, you know. Oh, hey, Troy. You know, like that kind of town. Nice. Oh, yes, sir. Hey, you know you got a warrant out for your arrest? <laughs> said, oh, no. shit. He said, well, yep, you have an unpaid ticket. I said, ah. Oh. He said, I'm not towing your Jeep, and I know where you live. Just follow me to jail. That's, what, that's the kind of town I grew up in. <laughs> and so I follow him to jail. They put me in a chair, and he calls my dad. My dad's like, oh, yeah, Henry, we paid that. I'll bring you the paid-off check, blah, 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 blah. You know, it'll be all right. Okay, Troy, you can go. It's not like you couldn't find me. <laughs> and I wasn't going to go out of the country for a damn speeding ticket. So I was no. pretty fortunate in that regard. And then to have That's the it. test lab, you know, just to shift gears back, it's another curiosity point. When I got – I'm a very fortunate – person to have 3,000 acres that I run, and then I'm curious about this archery thing, and I have literally a bottomless supply of targets for live hunting situations. I can do anything I want to them. They don't even care if you find them. I've helicoptered them before. You want to talk about a blast? Hanging out of a helicopter with an AR is absolutely awesome just doing that part. Literally a blast. And then you get to shoot at pigs. Are you freaking kidding me? So, you know, it's a lot of fun. Stay curious. Well, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's by all means necessary, get rid of that invasive species. By the way, who well, the hell's going to call us? We got, we got all sorts things. of people commenting here. Guys, the phone call lines in. are open. Give us a call. I got to... Greg, ask some questions. I gotta let this cat out of this room before he rips up the carpet more. Throwing pens at him. You got, a, you got a cat in the carpet. So you're building all your own arrows, correct? I am. You are. So I think I saw a question come through. Uh, what type of epoxy? You know, I, I kind of know a little bit of an answer to this. It's probably gonna vary upon manufacturer, but whatever favorite arrow you're shooting today. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're not going to like this. Actually, you're going to like this at all. Shh. I am going to like it. freaking tell anyone Okay. that JB Weld plastic bond works just fine. It's made for bonding mm. plastic to metal on cars. Imagine Shh. that. Don't okay. tell anyone that. Okay. Didn't hear it. Apparently, you got to have some other stuff, but I'm – Demonetized and no one pays me anything. JB Weld Plastic Bonder dot com. Mm. <laughs> this ad brought to you by Troy Fowler. <laughs> nice, Troy. I like it. Until we get a caller in, and not that we'll hang around forever. You know, people putting the kids down. It's bath night. It's whatever the hell's going on in everyone's life. It's fine. Um, wh- why don't you share with us your most memorable hunt, if you got one? So my most memorable hunts have been, are probably with my children. Um, I started them off very young. My son killed his first deer with a rifle at five and a half. And, um, both of them did. And on the ranch, one of the most fun things to do is just run around on foot 
We've got this little single shot 223 that I bought to Henry. It weighs 10 and a half pounds. You put it on shooting sticks, it's like a dead rest. And anybody can shoot it. 60-pound kid doesn't even know the thing goes off, right? It just goes bang. And my most memorable hunts are being with the boys, driving around the ranch, see a big pack of pigs, chase them around, and blow one down. Or maybe we don't, right? I have a huge family. My wife's the eldest of children. And I've got a crap load of nieces and nephews, 38 and going. And I am, I am the crazy uncle. So my most memorable hunts are with, with people who've never done it before. And I've got gun with that rifle. If you shoot something and it's your first animal, I write your name on it. And I have 39 names on it. Oh, wow. That are different. Yeah. That's cool. That's not, that's the most memorable stuff I can do is just to get somebody out. And then I've got people on there who did it once. That's it. That's their hunting experience. They never went back. They, didn't, they just don't have access, right? Mm-hmm. But they're sure as hell not against us, right? They're not against us. Yeah, they got to experience it. And they had a great experience. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I've done Western stuff and mule deer, and I, I'm the worst elk hunter ever. There's just, if I show up, if you hear, if I draw in the Gila and you draw in the Gila, call me and ask me what unit I'm going to be in. Because if you're in the one next to it, it's going to be a great hunt. If you're where I'm at, you're screwed. There will be no elk there, but I'm going anyway. <laughs> and then I've enjoyed, I have a friend who's a huge Western hunter. He's taught me how to hunt out West and he draws, he has like 10 draws out every year. He's a single guy and that's what he does. He hunts. And I go with him and I'm 50 now and I'm getting to the point where it's just fun to go and be out there and shoot a elk on the side of the mountain and help him pack it out. And when we went to Wyoming this year, he killed a almost Boone and Crockett. He had a rifle tag in one of the best counties in Wyoming. We shot the thing on the first day. We found it three days in, or we found it three days before season, killed it the first morning. And then we went fishing for five days on the Miracle Mile, and it was <laughs> world class. We whacked them. So I'm an experiential person. I dig that I'm a lot. Taking people right. that's a good, and that's... fishing. It's a good way oh, to be. Hey, we do have a caller. Yep. We got uh Okay, great. We got here Joshua, you're live on the Where to Hunt podcast. What's up, Josh? Hey, what's going on, guys? Um I just Howdy, had a uh, question. How are you doing, brother? Um I'm the guy that sent great. you those uh videos on Instagram last night at like 11:30 asking questions about Absolutely. Eric. Yep. Hey, I just wanted to uh I wanted to ask you, do you put on uh pick hunts at your facility? um and uh are they expensive we don't outfit so i have a huge you don't outfit and it's a yeah i've got it's just it, there's a lot of people down there and <laughs> just be in the family so we do not outfit and unfortunately the feral hog business is really really hard to get into because everybody's got them like you, you, know, right. you go access deer hunting or you're going to hunt so, you know wildebeest in texas or something there's a, some select ranches and they're all high end and it's a lot of fun the pig business is very difficult to sort through, and I've been trying to find some outfitters that are reputable, but that hasn't happened yet. But we don't outfit, and I'm sorry about that. It would be super fun. I thought about doing some, you know, ranch fairy gatherings or something like that and get some people down, and I just haven't been able to put it together. No, that's that's cool. No, 
totally understandable. Oh, it's super fun. I would you know, put you up I mean, and let you shoot. We could li- we could laugh and giggle, <laughs> and you can hang out with a crazy person for a couple of days. <laughs> you got to take care of your own. You got any other questions, Josh? Gel on this little rocket. Did we lose him? I uh, breaking up a bit there, Josh. Uh, it's super choppy. Try again. Try some. Try some that question one more time. Oh, he's got poor cell reception. Don't we lost him. Sorry, man. Oh, man. Next caller. Next. Uh, thanks, Josh, for calling, and we appreciate that. He did say something about uh, the transcription's not always so great, but. From what I could read, uh, something about serious archery products. He wondered if you had any opinion on that, maybe. Um, well, they've got a kit named after me, so yeah, I have an opinion on that. They are great arrows. I'm shooting them right now, and we haven't broken any, and things die. They tune out real nice. They've been good stuff. All ethics components, and every, et cetera, et cetera. Sweet. We do have one more person in the queue. Who do we got? It's processing. I'd like to see who it is first, so I don't bring on another prankster. We haven't had a prankster in a while. Not that doesn't mean I'm inviting anybody to prank, but that'd looks, be fun. <laughs> we got Jeff. Oh, it is. Jeff on the line. You're live on the Where to Hunt podcast. I think we know which Jeff this might be. How do you know that? Because <laughs> I can tell by the way you sound. Because you don't. Because you're a wannabe. That's all. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> He's a hack. <laughs> no, Troy, thank you for all the YouTube uh, sensational videos out there. You've brought hours of enjoyment to my son and I because we're archery fiends just like you. So uh, thank you very much. Yeah, sure. My question here is my son does a lot of competition shooting with the archery stuff. And last year he nerded it up real good. And he did a physics project in his seventh grade class studying the effects of mass and FOC on his archery setup and what that did for accuracy at long range from in his long range at that time was probably up to 50 yards. So he studied from okay. 20 to 50 yards and yep. he got the FX kits and he went and ran a whole gamut of, you know, point weights with, a, uh, what was it? A 300 grain spine at that time and did his little studies and things like that. So what in your opinion is the best setup or what would you recommend for a point weight or a, what have you found if you're going to try to not worry, worry about punching through an animal but if you're going through a accuracy situation you want to take it up a notch because in our study we found that you know I, there's a sweet spot and his sweet spot was a 200 grain tip up front and that shrunk his groups down the tightest I was wondering if yep. you did any studies like that or found anything, you know, regarding that part of the sport. About your goal should be about 17 to 19% FOC. And that's where it starts to suck up. Mm-hmm. And then it gets better as you go up. I haven't had any trouble. I've shot, I'm shoot. I've got some 28% arrows here. They're real hard to build. They're about almost 800 grains and um, they shoot like darts. So with his, I would assume his drawing is relatively short. How yeah, old is he? it is. He, he's right now, he's 14. <clears throat> okay, so he's shooting a 26-inch arrow? Uh, I think it's right now, the way it's cut for everything, I think it's right around 8, 28. Okay, well, as the arrows get shorter, um, the FOC goes through the roof. And so mm-hmm. what he's probably, how much draw weight is he pulling? 
I think right now it's about 43, 44 pounds. So he's shooting a 400 spine arrow. Yeah, this one, this setup is at a 375. But the, what's the spine of the arrow? Is it 400? No, it's a 375. It's an Easton arrow, a target arrow for that. Oh, oh, oh it's under 400. So it's super light grains per inch. Yes, it's probably, what is it? I think 6.9. 6. Right, so his FOC is off the chart. Right, that's one of the yeah, things it's that's hard for adults is we shoot a 250-spine arrow because you have to because it won't fly straight. Yeah. Your FOC goes down, but you remember Ashby's first two are structural integrity and perfect arrow flight. So it's a give and take there. He's got the best of both worlds. I've got women. A friend of mine's wife shoots 575 grains at 24 and a half inches, pulling 43 pounds. Wow. And she shoots through bull nail guy with that thing. Yeah. I don't even know if you know what a nail guy is, but they're about five or six hundred pound horse with a little tiny head. Yep. And she shoots <clears throat> through them. Yeah, that's funny. You threw that seventeen percent out there because he was shooting with that same three seventy five spine. He had a hundred and twenty five grain tip on there. So mm-hmm. today at lunch we were down to the hardware store and we got some steel rods, and we. With those points, they got a cavity on the inside, so we just hot melted a few different lengths to play around yep. with it. And I think that is probably right around 200 now up front on on that. And when I calculated it, the, the FOC was right around 17 percent. So it was kind of how funny that you might that, that same thing, Jeff. Since you're here, and uh, how do you calculate the FOC? There's all kinds. You can just go on YouTube and look that up. There's a million ways to do it: measuring I it, do, dividing yeah. it by half, and I measuring the, the balance tip, I just use the gold tip calculator. It's easier. That's an easier way, yes. <laughs> okay, I need the easiest way possible. For everyone that knows me, I don't know how to do math well. Yeah, right. So Yeah, but right perfect. off the bat, when we, we threw that steel rod in there, his group shrunk up real tight, you know, at like 40 yards with that. So that was, that was super encouraging, but well, that that course, you're confirming what we're hearing. Too. Right, so mm-hmm. if you get your FOC over seventeen percent, all of a sudden fixed plays don't aren't a problem. Remember, yep, they're not going to drift. The point is pulling the tail. Yep, like I talked about earlier, and I don't have any. I shoot. I literally go in the field with probably six different broadheads on, and just for the hell of it, I'm shooting twenty yards, so it doesn't matter. I shoot seven hundred and sixty or five hundred and fifty, and the energy dump from zeroing at set at seven sixty. A 550-grain arrow is hilarious. They don't shoot that much higher mm-hmm. because the bow is has a bunch of energy left that it never uses. So you just mm-hmm. hold a bow and blast them. <laughs> <laughs> Let her rip. If, you know, I, I did that to a pig one time. I was going to – I don't know what I was going to try. And this pig would not turn. And I had a 680-grainer in there. And I said, okay, fine. You're not going to turn. I just switched arrows. Single bevel 680. Right on the point of the shoulder, you're not going to turn. Quarter and two, fine. Broke his back. Hmm. Oh, don't have to go chase him around when that happens. Good talking Game to you, over. man. I'm glad your son has uh, got it tightened up. If more people would, uh, don't tell anybody, but that's what the FIDA guys do. Shh. <laughs> don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's All one right, of the dumbest guys things go. in the industry. Yep. Thank you, Thanks, Jeff. Take care, buddy. Thanks Bye. for calling in, Jeff. Yep.
All right. Anybody else wants to call in, we'll, we'll leave that. it open for a little bit. So if you want to, if you want to sneak a, a phone call in, uh, looks like the f- a few folks are watching. Uh, Shane, I know you've hunted around the world. I'm calling them out specifically. I can see the folks watching. Uh, my buddy Shane's a huge uh, SCI guy. He's hunted all over the world. So I, I imagine you've hunted some nice. big game. Uh, who else on here? Doug, Doug Gliverbean. If you want to call in, lines are open. I'll leave it at that. If anybody else wants to call in, the number's on the screen. Um, I don't know I any any I like see de- a question come in. Yeah. Any departing thoughts? Try anything like that we didn't ask you that we didn't cover that you're like I can't believe these idiots didn't ask me this question. Uh, anything like that? No. No, I think it was a pretty normal discussion. I just want everybody to be encouraged. This process takes some time, and just like I said earlier, you can shoot a hundred bad arrows, or you can find one that flies awesome. Yeah, sure. And, and knock tuning is what the, takes the time, right? Yeah, knock tuning is what takes the time. So let's dive into that real quick. Because we just said those two words, and it's black magic. So uh-huh. <laughs> if you're paper tuning, and okay, let's back up. Arrow carbon arrows are a tube that has a seam. Aluminum is an actual tube; it doesn't have a seam. Back in the old days, nobody ever shot those. But carbons right. have a seam. So there's a stiff side, and then as you rotate the knock, that stiffness changes how it interacts with that stiff piece. You can bend the shafts and figure out where the stiff spot is, or I prefer to shoot them bare shaft and knock to them. It's black magic. So you go through the – shoot a bunch of different field points, whatever arrows you choose to get. You go from nunchuck to, say, you know, 50-cent piece pair or a little smaller – then you start rotating, then you just grab the knock and twist it an eighth of a turn and shoot it again and shoot it again and shoot it again. You won't believe what happens. It'll go up, it'll go difference. sideways, and all of a sudden it'll go whack. It is magic. And that's the next level of the next level. The first level is just find what bullet your gun wants to shoot. If I was going to spit all that, most people have pretty good luck around 250 up front that seems to be the first sweet spot 100 grand insert 125 grand point or 300 grand point and a little insert whatever you know 250 somewhere in there on a 300 or 250 spine arrow for a normal person seems to be the beginnings of for an unchuck to a pretty good bullet hole how does that differ you're from, a human from bear shaft tuning what, yep. what what's what am i uh, going to learn with that no, it's that's bear shaft tuning. That's so you're a, shooting bear just shaft. A different call. It's just called something else. Greg, you call it something different. No, it, well, bear shaft tuning. What he's what he's trying to say is that's that's what's going to fine tweak your arrow. Okay. You're going to make sure right. that arrow hits plumb, and that's that's the process I've been kind of posting about and going through. Um, now that I got my bow all squared up with a new string and broke in and all that fun stuff, that's what I've been working on doing. I've been playing with different different point weights. And you'd be surprised, you know, I can go from a hundred grain point, you know, just something messing around. It doesn't fly that great. You can actually see it kick sideways in midair. And then it, it, it hits the target on a little bit of an angle. Mm-hmm. That's no good. Move on to a, you know, a 125 or a 150. Um, I've got a couple of different loads that work well. Um, 200 starts to look pretty nice. 250 hits real good. 300 starts to get a little sideways again and right that kind of stopped there the spine out yeah that's when you blow yep. the spine out it's fine. yep 
Yeah. And heavy duty. And then when you find when you find the one that shoots about the best and starts to really improve, start turning the knock in the back of the arrow and it'll clean up. Now you may have a couple go sideways the other direction or something. Just be patient. Mm-hmm. Okay. Take your yep. zannies or drink some alcohol or whatever you gotta do to calm down and uh just stand there and you know, keep banging away and all of a sudden it'll go wonk. And you mark yep. that spot on the shaft with a sharpie. Yep, that's what I've been doing. And then as soon as I get them to oriented in that position. Yep, and then you go and fletch them up, and you can shoot them. You can through, shoot them through paper again if you want. Do some fine tweaking. It's tedious. Just this is crazy. Head on it. And it is. It's very man, tedious. Um, my my dad's in the chat. But it here. also tells you how tedious the sport is. Well, right. right? You, you need to take it seriously. You need to go through this stuff. It's it's just interesting. How do you how do you like how do you begin? Like, there's there's a lot of people that just have been told the wrong shit. I know we yep. talked about like where to start, but if we're gonna come full circle, how do you start? What do you need to do to go down this path? What's your fr- like? Maybe read Greg's blog articles on our website. I don't know where. Is there a YouTube well, video that you have? I got a ways to go on those yet. Now <laughs> Shut up, modest Greg. Up, I can continue writing. But like, <laughs> but, all right. Well, there's a good know. place to start. There's uh, I got two videos that'll absolutely blow all your minds and make all your make you sad at some level or maybe happy. I don't know. So go on uh, my channel. Uh, Ranch Ferry is pretty easy. Just Google it. Nobody names themselves Ranch Ferry in the flat brim, muscled up, super tan, fake tan, muscled up, steroid freaking bow hunting world. And I'll come up. You'll see my grinning ass in some video. And then get on there. And I have a thing, a uh, playlist called High Apple Sierra Builds. And then the first What's it videos. called? High Apple Sierra? And you want to see that high. IFOC, uh, go on the playlists. Okay. And then the first two videos on that playlist are the first two. One explains why you want to shoot a high FOC and heavier arrow and the basics of it. And the other one, next one is the hand load video. She talk about the process of getting two different spines of arrows, whatever flavor you want to shoot, getting a pack of field points from 100 to 200 grains, or if you want to go magnum from 200 to 300 grains, and shooting through those field points to find the one that shoots the best for your bow. Thank you. And it's tedious. But let me it tell everybody tedious. who's listening. Oh, it's a it sucks. I I'm getting two dozen arrows next week. Ah, uh, sucks. <laughs> because once you once you know. Once you do it, you can't go back. I got my, I got friends. I've got a couple of very dear friends who will not do this stuff. They say that Jesus was unable to have people believe in him or perform miracles in his own town because they said, that's the dude from Bethlehem. We know that, idiot. But everywhere else, they believe in him, right? So I got a couple of close friends who are like, yeah, well, your YouTube channel, you're kind of a clown. I killed an elk. I mean, I love them. They're my best friends. <laughs> And I can see their arrows come off, and I can see it in the air. Yep. I can see it, and I just go, Ugh. and I got a very dear friend who's lost four pigs at my place. And I give him my stuff, and it shoots like a door, and he's like, I have to move my sights. Yeah? And, okay. Well, is that a problem? So everybody out there, 
This is a very tedious process. And it's not just because I want to be awesome and make you, you know, snort the fairy dust and do the tedious process. <laughs> Bows suck. They are very tedious things. Mm-hmm. I did not mm-hmm. realize this early on. They are very tedious. You're shooting offhand, which you would never recommend with your 30-06 blowing across a canyon. You would never shoot offhand, with rare exception. No one would tell you to do that. They say, do something. Throw it on your backpack. Do something. Get that gun down. So you're already shooting offhand. Nobody releases the same. And and by shooting the arrows, bare shaft through the field points, you're, I think, you're getting the arrow to shoot the way you shoot. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. You're you patterning your for your inefficiencies. Whatever, yeah, whatever thing you do, I think, because I give my bow bear shaft to somebody else and they can't do it. That's the only way I've tested that. Hmm. They can't, they, it won't shoot bear shaft for them. And it shoots bear shaft for me. Well, normally I'd, so I'd, I'd wrap up. that's an eye-opening experience. I'd wrap up with, um, you know, how do people find you and all that good stuff. You have the one of the most unique names. My wife's like, "What do you mean he calls nope. himself the Ranch Fairy? What does that mean?" I'm like, "I, I don't know. Who cares?" <laughs> <laughs> freaking up. She's like, "What are you watching in there?" I'm like, "I'm doing homework. All right." I'm a, to... Yeah, right. What is that? Right? It's some <laughs> some crazy porn channel or something. So, um, that was a that was an absolute stroke of genius, right? Um. I'm not a very good marketing person, but in YouTube, you either have to be, you have to either have millions of followers or be unique enough that you get a lot of run on Instagram and whatever, or you have a name no one forgets and no one will use. And I'm in that category. Yeah, that's a great category. There's not a damn person out there that's tried to make themselves the ranch underscore ranch fairy. <laughs> They're not doing it. They don't have a sack. You gotta get. You gotta get a shirt sack. that says "Snort the Ranch." Snort the Ranch Pixie. What'd you call Snort it? The fairy dust. The yeah. fairy dust. If you don't fairy have a shirt dust. that says fairy that dust. already, I think you just got your next one. No, not yet. I need to get one. I'm gonna. I'll probably have one for ATA if it if it happen to have it again. It'd be fun to truck around with all the boat up guys there. That place is God. The testosterone is off the chart. The poser, <laughs> the, the lift lift kits, and the lots of stickers and all custom right. exhaust and all that is just blowing off the charts in that place. Funny. So um, that's why I. I, I discovered this change shooting pigs and killing the living. I mean, killing them like 40 yards, killing them, not all night out there and stumble up on one half dead and have to blast them with a deer rifle. Right. Like, like shooting them and saying that that's a dead pig. Give it 10 minutes and go get it. So if we're down in okay. Texas, cause Got we it. have an invitation from someone else to go to Texas to shoot hogs. I'm wondering if we should hit you up while we're down there. <laughs> I don't know if you, I, I know well, I can't say that publicly, but you can email me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got it. There's no hitting. <laughs> yeah. E- e- email me, maybe. Just maybe. If you're fun. in Texas, holler at me. We'll see what happens. I, After all this, I don't outfit. I can make things happen. I need to come down. It'd be fun. Good. I'm planning yeah. to have the hunting public guys down in June. We'll see if that happens. They, they're pretty damn busy. So we'll see. We talked about it. But I don't know if they're going to be able to be able to make it, but um, I'm going to do some collaboration stuff like that. This year, I had two or three deals set up, and this stupid COVID thing got it. And yeah. just to do some, 
I was trying to get Nate Sellers and, and uh, Garrett from Nate from Average Jack and get Garrett from DIY Sportsman down. They have their wives are starting to bow hunt. Oh, cool. Well, cool. I can put them in front. I can put something in front of them. That's not a problem, you know. And just the whole COVID thing killed that. So I've been fishing for 10 pound bass and still going to the ranch, which I'm going tomorrow and picking up a new Kawasaki mule and probably something's going to die. <laughs> probably something's going to die. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Iron Will sent me some broadheads the other day, and so I'm going to give those things a rip. That's awesome. I've been happy with mine. Uh, I mean, I've taken some hard quartering two shots on whitetails. Uh, you know, granted, they're no hog, but through through uh, the oncoming shoulder, through, you know, the whole chest cavity and out the other side and breaking the leg bone and having yeah. a complete pass-through, it's, it's a good head. I like it. I'll give them kudos for it's one of the sharpest heads I've handled out of a package. Yep. I strop everything now, and I barely had to strop those. Most heads I need to strop. Like I need to I need to put some work on them. Just because, once again, back to the Aerofly thing, once you've learned how to sharpen a broadhead where it'll just, I mean, cut paper with almost no sound, and then you shoot animals with it and you just see the difference, you can't go back. I can't go back. And I am as guilty as the next clown here of not taking care of my broadheads. Oh, yeah. For yep. 20 years, man. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm at. It's a very overlooked of this sport i have some unspoken obligation to listen to the folks that i talk to on these podcasts because i'm learning right now uh, you know I'm, i've been a sponge yep. on this episode i ask very selfish questions and uh, that's why i like that we have people i can call in you can ask your own questions on this show um if i'm not asking what you want to hear but for that reason it's it's like i have to follow this advice now greg's gonna have to hold my hand and help me figure this whole shit out. <laughs> and I'm going to get there. Well, just get a jig. Just get a jig. You can get a yeah, KME jig. Innovative Outdoorsman guy makes a really inexpensive jig system that allows you to keep the angle plumb. And you can you can sharpen just about anything. But the strop, just go on, look on the internet for strop. There's a thousand videos for the knife guys. Yep, and yep. a strop is un. It is mm. unbelievable what a piece of hard leather that's slickered a piece of glass will do to a blade. Cool. Takes all it's the birds bit off. It's unbelievable. And the, so everybody listening, hang in there. Here comes another dumb ranch fairy story that you may just get tired and hang up. No broadhead improves that impact. There isn't a surprise out there that's self-sharpening on impact. Secondarily, shredded blades are not a good thing. You want absolutely surgical precision cuts. There's this thing called the clotting cascade I will not get into. It is basically internal fix-a-flat. It is a fact. It is a physiologic fact you have, you have fix-a-flat in your system. And you do have a video it, on it. I do have a video on that, yes. But I won't talk about it that much, but when you shred things, there's there's little pieces on the sides of those arteries and stuff that start collecting cells to fix a flat the holes when you cut them absolutely surgically sharp it it, it doesn't allow because the reaction of the body isn't the same why does that matter 
because the blades are not improving at impact. So the minute they hit whatever, however sharp they are, the minute they go through the first three to five inches of deer, they've now degraded. Hmm. Eroded. I'm convinced I lost a lot of pigs because the broadheads I was shooting were pieces of crap and they were flat and bladed. They were butter knives when they went into the pulmonary tissue. I'm a respiratory therapist. I know about keeping people alive with holes in their chest. I know how to kill people too, animals or whatever, right? The reverse works. They tell you this is going to kill them, right? I don't kill people, but that's bad. That'll kill somebody. Don't do that. Oh, okay. So that's a huge overlooked thing. And if you've got a pack of broadheads that you've had in your quiver for three years because you bought six and you shot two deer, the four you've got are garbage. Absolute garbage. You need to, they need to be sharpened. Unacceptable. Steel does not improve when it's sitting there. No. Take it out of the quiver, put it back in, hunt 10 days in a row, don't get a shot. And every time you move that broadhead, it's getting dull. Good, good point. We're not talking about a lot. Yep. But they do not improve at impact. And I'm pretty convinced. I can't prove it. That's one thing Dr. Ashby said. Man, I wish we could get all the animals we lost. I wish there was a way to find them and find out what went wrong. Do you know how much we'd know? Oh, you'd learn a ton. You'd learn a ton. Success doesn't teach us anything. Wolves, went over there and died. Okay, great. Unless you've made a change. But failure teaches you a ton. And I'm, I'm very convinced with the mud on the pigs, their durability, their very heavy bone structure in the thoracic cavity, compared to a deer, it's six or eight times as heavy the bones are. They're short and blunt and very, very hard on broadheads. I'm convinced I shot a bunch of pigs that didn't die. And I got eight inches of penetration, and the broadhead was absolutely flattened. The blades were dead. Couldn't do anything. Mm. And the pig just ran off. And they're durable as hell. <laughs> they went and showed their friends. Look at this idiot did to me. <laughs> <That's> an idiot. <laughs> you know. Well, I think I might have taken up too much of your time. No, nah, this, this is it. This is the runway we had. This is great. Yeah, uh, man. Thanks, thanks for the the couple callers, and thanks for taking time out of your schedule to to be on the show. And you know, we appreciate it. We no we problem, we produce the same night, so this will be live in podcast land, fully produced in the next couple hours. Um, That's outstanding. I'm gonna I cut the live feed. Listening to it, see if I was see if I was useful or not. I really enjoy. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here and help other people out and kind of blow people's mind a little bit. I know I'm. Everything I'm talking about to a lot of people going to listen to this is definitely off the charts. But I've said it like 16 times already. I'm going to say it again. The problem with Dr. Ashby is he didn't care how how the arrow got there. He cared what happened when the arrow got there. Mm -hmm. So archery is shooting an arrow to a target. Bow hunting is getting the arrow through the target. And the industry is too concerned with getting it there. They assume... Mm -hmm. I get these calls every fall. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get exhausted in July and August. Okay. Okay, Fowler, here's the deal. Listen, I'm going out west. Don't blow me down an elk. What I want is an arrow that will shoot 265 yards and be 650 grains and kill anything. <laughs> it's not going to happen. 
no. and I just reply, not available. That's like watching that, that house hunter hey. show that I watched with my wife. You know, like, I want, you know, this house with these things in this location for this much money. And we only uh-huh. make, it's like, yeah, right. bitch, it's you can't get all that. That's not how it works. Yeah. Like, increase your budget. There's, there's give and take. Yeah. yeah. There's give and take right. with everything. We got gravity. Back in the old days, we, we thought bow hunting was a 35 or 40 yard sport. And yeah. now you got all these clowns out here, these long range guys who are promise you, bro. All these TV guys who are shooting far, they're wounding a lot of things they don't put on video. I promise I you. I bet. I bet. Yep. No, there's no I bet. It's not possible. They're full of crap. They show you the one they killed and they wounded three. Or they shot the same out yeah, three times and they finally anyway. died and they said, got it. Yeah. And um, if you really think bow hunting is an 80-yard sport, you really need to reconsider getting a 300 wind mag and just calling it good. Mm-hmm. Because, the, you know, about 3,000 feet per second, they don't hear that. It works really, 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 really good. Um, bow hunting is a short-range sport. It's always should be. And you should be concerned about the arrow going through the critters and being very effective in all cases, more than the purple color of your riser matching your peep sight and having an electronic sight that's going to short out on you when it rains, and then you're going to be pissed. Hmm. You need to worry about your arrows and having them fly right and doing what they're supposed to do. And just, that's I'm good. not coming off it. And Don't, yeah, thank you. It's okay. <laughs> care what anybody thinks no <laughs> i've been there and it was frust- it was frustrating as hell pig everybody's like well they're just pigs no i want to get them so it's been fun that's i don't know we've killed 200 pigs in the last four or five years and a bunch of them with rifles and stuff i bought uh ar-15s i never owned ar-15s until the trump ele- uh, hillary election so i bought three before the election because i thought it wasn't going to go right and figured i wouldn't be able to get one and I got angry at him with the AR and shot 56 one year. <laughs> you had to test it out. You had to make sure it worked, you know? So it's been fun. Thanks again, guys, for having me on. Oh, yeah. I really sure, appreciate so it. If you have any, you know, if you have any demands, a follow-up you. call or anything, I'll be happy to come back and fall or whatever you want to do. And we'll do be, that. Be insane again. We'll I'm do good. that. Yeah. We appreciate it. I'm hey. available. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in live video. Have a good night. Have a good night. See you later. See you. All right, it's time to get your hunting news from around the country, brought to you by eHunter. eHunter stands for Electronic Hunt Resource. So it's eHunt and letter R.com. It is your go to site for anything and everything hunting related. eHunter is the last one stop shop resource you will ever need. And also, uh, be sure if you head on over to ehunter.com, check out their podcast. Uh, it's called the eHunter Newscast, which makes a ton of sense. Let's hear what they have to say for us this week. What's up? This is Casey with eHunter.com. That is the letter E, the word hunt, and the letter R, eHunter.com. Big shout out again to the crew at Where to Hunt for giving us a few minutes here to add value to all of you, the Where to Hunt listeners. So last week, a few of our headlines... Bighorn sheep are rebounding in North Dakota. This is specific to an area of the what are what is called the Northern Badlands. Sheep had been on the decline here since a, at least 2014 uh, due to a bacterial pneumonia, and for the first time, the 20 for the first time since 2014, the 2019 numbers are looking really good. Uh, 
two Mexican gray wolves were poached in Arizona. This is kind of east central Arizona, a town called Pine Top. And Arizona Game and Fish, as well as U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, are still working on this case. This comes uh, in the wake of some reintroduction efforts. They're not sure that this is like a retaliation thing, but uh, would be easy to surmise that. Mountain goat sharpshooters are needed. Uh, this is specific to Olympic National Park. Uh, they are seeking experienced backcountry hunters to cull a non-native herd. They're being pretty specific about this not actually uh, being a goat hunt. They're, they're bringing in shooters that are familiar with the country and familiar with backcountry and hunting in general to cull out the entire non-native herd. Uh, eight deer were poached in Utah. This is a uh, southwestern Utah, Wayne County. Uh, it's actually a combo of two incidents. So uh, before the turn of the year, there was a six deer found poached, two bucks and four does. The heads and antlers were not taken and none of the meat was harvested. The case went cold. And then uh, recently they found another killing in, in the same area of two more deer. Um, nothing harvested off of them as well. So Utah's working on that. There will be more cougar hunting opportunities in Washington state. Uh, this is simply a move from a statewide management plan to a regional management plan due to regional problems with mountain lions. Uh, Montana Council, the, uh, the Montana Grizzly Bear Advisory Council is literally questioning whether hunting may be effective for managing grizzlies in Montana. Um, right now, there is no grizzly hunting in Montana because they're still federally protected there. But when they're anticipating them being delisted at some point in the future, at which point they're questioning if hunting would be feasible. Uh, Missouri announced their first elk season. So fall of 2020 will mark the first official elk season in Missouri ever. Uh, it'll be open only to residents. Oregon has closed seasons to non-residents. Uh, hunting, fishing, crabbing, and clamming will, are, is not open to non-residents in, in Oregon for the time being. Just kind of standing by for an update on that from the state. Uh, BLM land use changes in western Colorado GMUs. There are at least 10 game management units affected by BLM chain, land use changes in western Colorado. Um, there's kind of a lot to question here. It effectively amounts to the probability of increased oil drilling and fracking. There's been a lot of questions about what does this mean for hunting in the area. Right now, nothing really. Uh, you could potentially see some sites grow. And some of these sites don't allow you to be on there to hunt. Uh, but that's all just kind of hanging. And then to wrap us up here... Uh, an article about three new Pope and Young records in one month. We were kind of tipped off to this from a Peterson's bow hunting article. Uh, so we put a little research into it. October 2019 saw three new Pope and Young Club archery hunting records. The world record black bear out of New Jersey. World record mountain goat out of Alaska. And the new Oklahoma state record whitetail. Just so happens that that whitetail out of Oklahoma, the hunter, Gunnar Womack, it was his first bow hunt ever. Uh, let me backtrack on that. His first archery kill ever. The first thing he ever killed with his bow was the new Oklahoma State record whitetail. Uh, so Taryn from eHunter caught up with Gunner on the newscast. So 
you could check out that interview there and hear Gunner's story of killing the, the new Oklahoma State record whitetail. And that's all I have for you. Appreciate you all. Take care. Have a good week. the tip of the week made it this far you're a diehard you're a loyal fan listener we appreciate a whole bunch you should probably uh give us a rating review if you haven't already and if you made it this far you're probably one of the 70 people that has given us a review a rating on itunes so we appreciate you uh speaking of people that have given us ratings and reviews we have five people in our um patreon membership program so far which is awesome and i wanted to make an announcement i'll probably put this at the beginning of the episode too just in case but we are going to be giving away some Venado swag. We're going to be giving away some Backwoods Grind coffee. We're going to be giving away some Vector arrows and uh, outdoor addiction tax and rebutchering. And we're still trying to decide on the final big ticket item. So if you want to have a kind of a, a dog in that race, you just got to go sign up for our Patreon. That's it. And uh, the tip of the week this week is brought to you by none other than Deervein. Head on over to Deervein.com. Those guys are good friends of ours. They have their own podcast too. It's very practical, very tip-oriented, and they have a YouTube channel too. So let's hear what Anthony has for us this week. Hey, everyone. Hope you really enjoyed that episode with the Ranch Ferry. He is a hilarious dude and uh, definitely some good info in there. But uh, this week's tip of the week is to be safe while you're turkey hunting. Uh, It happens every year, and it's extremely unfortunate, unfortunate. But people do end up getting shot in the turkey woods. People just don't know their target. They don't look twice. They just see movement and they shoot. So when you're out there turkey hunting, you know, be sure to be very, very aware of your surroundings, especially on public land. You know, maybe be a little bit extra cautious when you're using decoys or any sort of uh, tool that replicates a turkey. And then also... You know, make sure that when you're when you're calling and walking, you are actually like clearly visible as a human. Just read a story where a guy was was crawling and calling and another hunter thought he was a bird because he was low to the ground and, and just pulled the trigger. So, uh, you know, everyone just be safe out there. Be very aware of what you're shooting at. And also, you know, be on the defensive when you're out there. If you think there's other turkey hunters, uh, you know, maybe try to get away from them, move away, or, uh, you know, just understand that they're there and make sure that they know you're a human and not a turkey. All right. Hope that helps, guys. Stay safe. See ya. All right. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, Deervain. Thanks, E Hunter. Thanks, Casey. Thanks, everybody. Troy with the Ranch Ray, Greg, our co host, and uh, him sharing his crazy uh, shot of the week story. It was a good episode. Um, that kind of wraps it up, I guess. Uh, I had something I was going to say here about a reminder, but <clears throat> I don't know. I don't remember what that was going to say. Oh yeah. If you have a shot of the week that you want to share with us, you can do that. It's pretty easy. Most phones have some sort of voice recorder on them. Um, you can send us uh, a voice memo to email or through a direct message. You can also do it from our anchor, uh, website too, which is linked in our Instagram, you know, link in bio stuff. So we'd love to hear from you. If you have a shot of the week, a crazy shot, uh, far, short, crazy, wild, weird, um, downward, upward, ground and pound, hang and bang, whatever you got, uh, send it to us and we'll put you in the podcast. Pretty cool stuff. I hope everybody has a great week and you're doing okay. You're staying safe and healthy and uh, keeping your morale up. 
uh, let us know if there's anything we can do to help you with anything you got going on. Uh, talk to you guys later. Have a great week on public.